0: Never in the history of the world have the merchants of obscenity had available to them the modern facilities for disseminating this this disseminating this filth the onslaught of the communist masters of deceit
1: Pingo common slugs. Pingo common
2: Welcome. Steve's here. Marlo's here. We're all here. It's February, guys. Yeah. A year ago today, I was joking about how the polls had Bernie beating no one.
3: Remember that? <laughs> Those lost futures said, everything sucks yeah,
2: pretty much every day i'm fied guys woo uh,
3: woo f- it f- took f- till now
2: this podcast is really a, a memoir about my journey from a uh, lib to whatever's happening now <laughs> because i so many things that make me mad i look at people and i'm like i used to be you in ways i associate with being a child <laughs> i don't know do these liberals think I need to do the secret to Joe Biden for anything to work because they really have been invested in me being nice. And we're on pff, end of week two, guys. And
0: Yeah, and notice this is again when we were supposed
3: to hold him accountable.
2: Yeah, didn't we say it?
3: That was the plan. That was the yeah. game plan.
2: Day one. Also, uh, I think I heard today that they're dropping even the $15 minimum wage from whatever the fuck.
1: <laughs>
3: Stimmy. Uh,
2: yeah, I just, oh my gosh.
3: That was so predictable, though. Oh, um, Jesus. I just saw the uh, New York Post write a a sermon about how it would crash the economy.
2: And what wouldn't crash the economy? What economy? Also, I just, I love how none of our big brain free thinkers out here ever see an opportunity to like, let's reinvent it in a good way. It's all this dumb shit like-
3: Reinvent what?
2: Reinvent anything. They all just want to- Do the same shit. It was this week, right, that the Democrat Nevada Mm -hmm. proposed that thing where corporations can be their own little governments. Yes. Treated like counties. Uh, What work colony do you guys want to end up on?
0: uh, Oh, no, I never heard of this shit. What? Oh, Marlo! God
2: damn it,
3: Marlo!
2: Read all the dumb shit we are chatting. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) the
3: too long didn't read is Democratic governor proposed in order to bring more corporate interests into the state of Nevada, proposed the law that would give corporations the right to govern Uh, like a county.
2: Yeah, like a county. Start their own
3: governments, basically.
2: Basically, so then. it opens up the idea that this corporation sets up their own little work colony county.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And then, like, I feel like that would be well, bad. Well,
3: then you're in a Philip K. Dick novel. Yeah, or, it's,
0: like, really skipping a few things.
3: The funniest part to me was that it's called uh, Innovation Zones. Yes. They're going to be called Innovation Zones. Yeah. Which is strikingly similar to William S. Burroughs uh, InterZone. Mm-hmm. which was this seedy underbelly of dystopian future. And that's what I like to think Innovation Zone would be. But I think it would be more like the Clovis episode of Veep where it's just this like dead-eyed CEO cult shaman who's running these like medical-looking building where everybody's forced to like play ping pong when visitors come by.
0: <laughs> and the annoying yeah. thing about this is it's like so many things things that even pointing out the things that it's like is kind of already
1: redundant.
0: A, yeah, it's already a trope before it's even been done. Yeah. It's like that video game Outer Worlds. It's like every cyberpunk written between like 1980 and 2020. It's like, uh sorry to bother you. It's like, it's just, it's like so many fucking things. It doesn't even matter <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> cyberpunk 2077. I assume it's like a bunch of Philip K. Dick shit. It's like infinite jest. It's like everything.
3: Yeah. They still had a government. It wasn't run by the corporation. The the corporations were buying up things that made it dystopian, like years. You could brand years. Right, right. Yeah. Um, Yeah, No, it's close enough. It's definitely. Marlo
2: says it's close enough. Definitely.
3: He's the boss. A corporate. (laughs) Well, okay. Like I have thought about this that, you know technology and science, they have these limitations to the way in which they can imagine a future for us or a Mm -hmm. better future because they can't imagine an alternative to this world. They can only imagine this world, but just with cooler gadgets and the cooler gadgets are only there to soften the blow of like crippling oppression.
0: What isn't? That's a Twitter drama I'm fucking wading through right now. Wait, what? That shit about the mental illness I mentioned the other day.
2: So where people were upset by the notion that in a society without capitalism, that they wouldn't have some, what, symptoms of like being ADHD? Yeah,
0: well, it's kind of moved on to all mental illness and... The annoying point about it is the person who's like at the center of the whole fucking controversy is this fucking author I just read. Uh, Her name's uh, P. Muskowitz. Uh, She wrote the two books. Uh, I just read one of them. But she also like does blog posts about intersection of mental health and capitalism Mm -hmm. and it is her like she is in fact an activist specializing in this field and she stated that uh mental illness quote would not exist under communism and that she feels bad for you if you think communism is just about getting better ssris and like everyone's fucking pissed off at her and being like Oh, so me wanting to kill myself when I was 12 was because of capitalism? And maybe. I mean, like, one, Uh, maybe. And two, she's not exactly saying that. And if you spend any length of time, it's not even very insane theory that she's referencing no like no, it, gonna... it's it's Foucault slash Mark Fisher shit that she's yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, essentially so
0: referencing say... and I mean it's the same people who you know you say like oh race is a social construct they don't think that you're literally saying some people don't have more melanin than other people they like they can understand that but the moment you say well you know the notion of illness or disability is kind of a socially created definition and neurodiversity can exist and can exhibit itself in subjectively harmful ways that doesn't make it a disability is essentially yeah. what she's been saying
2: but people aren't often aren't able to question this framework in a
1: yeah, just,
2: meaningful way and that's what happens is they personalize that immediately yeah. and say, oh, so you're saying well exactly what you quoted not even thinking about all the ways possibly their what? mental health what? has what? deteriorated because of those kinds of experiences that they themselves have had because, that framework is hard to, I, I just. I was talking to a friend earlier and she was explaining to me that finally this year she convinced her boomer mother, who was a single mother and is a black woman. She's only this year been able to convince her that universal health care is a good idea for real. I mean, even like for- this is people are dealing with a massive resistance to these ideas, even when it's so much of those criticism playland.
0: is coming from the left too. But that's yeah.
3: the other thing. Oh yeah. Well, the thing that we get a lot at the on Mark Fisher's is this idea versus the way that people conceptualize themselves as individuals who navigate their own perceived day to day problems, which are still problems. And this idea mm-hmm. of okay, society is a certain way. That makes it so those problems are worsened or exponentially like highlighted. And anytime you say, okay, society did this to you, it says, oh, so I can't get better from this because you're saying I have no agency is generally the way that it's perceived? I don't have any agency. I don't have any illness. How can you say that I well, don't have an illness?
2: Because I've met lots of people to the clinicalization, mm-hmm. the separating. It's aided them yeah. in being able to deal with whatever mental health crisis they've dealt with, right? So I feel like that's what gets in the way of them understanding this idea doesn't conflict with
3: that. Right. I'm somebody that's gone through the mental health system in this country. And it did aid me to make sense of the way I was feeling. It did make sense to me when a doctor said, oh, you have anxiety. Here's some pills that can help you deal with it. Or, oh, you have depression. Here's some pills that help you navigate that depression. Oh, you have whatever, insomnia. Here's some pills to help you navigate insomnia. Oh, you have bipolar disorder. Here's some pills to navigate that. It really does... Help soothe this. Oh, I felt weird my whole life. I felt like I'm not able to yeah, connect with other people. Valuable. Finally, somebody can say to me, You know, you felt this way for a reason. And that's something I experienced for years, you know, for years of right. m- m- medicalization and you know, it did help me. I was like, oh, God damn, now I'm on fucking Cymbalta and I can actually like sit down and be productive and have fulfilling relationships and get through schooling without, you know, being bogged down in depression all the time. That's, Great. Holy shit. I never knew I could do that because that's the antidote to the symptom. But is that the symptom, though? That's always the question. That's the question that Foucault looks at. That's the question that Lacan looks at. And that's the question that Mark Fisher then, you know, you have the antidote, which is if what? the symptom isn't your individual racing thoughts or depressive, moments or anxiety then the symptom must be something else and figuring out that it's not you individually as symptomatic of something that it's a societal symptom of something else is equally as comforting i find that equally as comforting and not at all invalidating
0: yeah my favorite tweet was someone who said, well, capitalism didn't invent mental illness. It always existed before we just called it uh, witchcraft. And it's like, you just described the invention of mental illness. Yeah. We used to call it witchcraft. It used to be witchcraft and our solution was to burn people at the stake. Then we decided it was a personal moral failing and we threw people away forever. And then we decided it was an illness that we could treat with therapy and drugs. That's inventing mental illness. You're the one who just thinks that in another 200 years, it's going to be stagnant. And we found the end of history of where we're going with
3: that. Well, the Foucauldian thing that what you just said, the which is the moral failing. Right, right. In the, in the 18th century, like it is the same function. It functions to kind of police the actions of those that are not productive in society.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, I'm not- I'm even just saying, like, assuming there is a physical, you know, brain chemistry or whatever the fuck you want to reductively call it. Even if there is a thing, our invention of it as an illness is a recent,
3: very recent
0: development. And it stands to reason that in the future we might conceive of it and therefore treat it in a different way. In the same way that when we decided it was witchcraft, we dealt with it in a different way than when we, in the 19th century, called it vagrancy and sent them to poor houses.
3: Well, the example Foucault gives in History of Sexuality, because he links the way we we scientify. Sexuality is similar to the way we scientify uh, mental illness in that it was a replacement for leprosy, whereas like right. they built all these uh, sanitariums and then leprosy didn't exist after a while, but they still had the sanitariums, which were then converted to madhouses. Mm-hmm. The way that the lepers were treated were the same ways that the undesirables were. It just was passed on. And that's a big part of Foucault is the genealogy of morals. You You take the way the treatment of lepers were treated in this moral matrix, and then that's passed on to the next generation to, I guess, the word would be marginalized the unproductive people, because the only way we really define mental health or mental illness is that it doesn't allow you to function in society, go to work, right? (laughs) go to work. It doesn't allow you to be productive and it doesn't allow you to contribute to capitalism and not contributing to capitalism is insanity. Just like not being heterosexual was not contributing to society in a productive way. Under some matrix of Christian morality, homosexuality was equally marginalized for those reasons.
0: Yeah, and I mean, not enough people listen to us to cancel us. But for the record, Stephen is speaking from his lived experience, I just want to say. Yeah. Uh, I, know,
3: 100%. I was put in solitary confinement when I was 18. Yeah. And I was put on a whole hell of a lot of drugs and, yeah, and was on also it.
0: also functioned on drugs and still go to therapy for many years after that.
3: Twelve years.
0: Know? And, oh, wow. it's, yeah, I mean, it's like not saying that, oh, treating them as witches is morally equivalent to drugs and therapy, there's probably some improvements over the years, but (laughs) the idea that we have found the solution by deciding, oh yeah, it's an illness, drugs and therapy when so many people are suffering.
2: Well, I mean, because then the solution Means that there's a larger existential assumption. Like, that,
0: they thought they figured uh, it out when it was witches. They thought yeah. they had it figured out back then.
3: Yeah. Well, okay. So there is a difference. This gets back to the, uh, I guess, the Nevada tech companies, but the idea that technology is the, yeah, us. is emancipation. Like with the witches, they at least had this. Okay, these are the fallen from God, and so they are the ones that aren't going to heaven so it really doesn't or or at least they're the ones prohibiting others from going to heaven and and in the case of witches like come over here kids we'll do witchcraft and you'll become a witch too or you know we'll eat your babies or whatever they think of people it's a techno utopia that they envision or or like a science they've turned it into a science in the most literal way there's a brain chemistry there is a biology and there is a series of symptoms that are, are exact that you go to a person in a coat and you list off man going to psychiatrist is is just so weird it's like five minutes and they're like do you still shake do you go to sleep do you eat correctly here's the 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 amount of pills you need and it takes like two minutes see
2: what's interesting to me is that i never got to go to a psychologist or psychiatrist because everybody before that was like oh silly you're just not getting enough sleep (laughs) (laughs) like that's literally how every doctor treated me it wasn't until I like got older and the blips in my life that I've had adequate health care or health insurance that I've had to go and be like, this is what is going on with me exactly. Can you do something about this? Uh, like every time that I was younger and described symptoms to a doctor, yeah, they dismissed it. I just wasn't sleeping right or I needed to eat different. And, uh, it was, <laughs> uh, I didn't see anybody as a mental health professional till I was in college and could go to somebody like on my own completely, like at the health center.
3: And now everybody, like it's expected to go to a psychologist. It's it's almost frowned upon if you don't. Yeah,
0: men well, will yeah, literally do sis- many things before going.
2: Except go to therapy. I've heard, but I, there is also a, uh. You know, there's a lot of barriers to therapy. Uh, My youngest sister had a similar experience to me, uh, but has more severe mental health issues of suicidal ideation than I've had. Mine are very chill, my suicidal ideation. (laughs) Uh, Hers were more intense and literally like no one took her seriously. And then when she went to the doctor as a college student, they immediately put her on a ton of different Drugs
0: And banned her from campus, so it was no longer their problem.
2: I mean, essentially, that is kind of almost how it went down. (laughs) Um, So she didn't have a very positive experience with any of that herself and now has some reactionary feelings where, you know, she's vulnerable to like people talking some like anti-vax stuff because she definitely... Moved on to having a lot of physical symptoms that doctors couldn't quite pinpoint. So they were also still dismissive because she's not overweight, so they couldn't blame it on that. Uh, Not
3: underweight, (laughs) which is the other...
2: Yeah. She's struggled with being underweight, but they've always acted like that was good. There's all these specific women things. And if you're like an attractive enough woman, they're like, you're fine. You're
3: that, fine. I mean, that's that was one of the worst <laughs> things about going to group sessions was being the youngest person there in the ward and everybody saying to me, you're 18. What have you got to be sad about? You've got the whole world in front of you.
2: And you're like, I
1: fucking <laughs> don't know.
3: <laughs> and but, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I have I have great uh, stories. Of course, the characters that you meet in this universe of halfway houses and hospital wards are just amazing. There was one guy who was ninety, ninety-one, and he was a gambling addict, and he lost a bunch. Cool. Of, he lost a bunch of money going to Atlantic City, getting a. Fancy, hot- fancy hotel fancy hotel with some random stranger who then took like thirty thousand dollars from him That's just and then, and then he had a gun and was about to go chase down that person that guy that ass. One of my favorite experiences was playing Texas Hold'em with that guy. Did they allow him to do that? <laughs> it seems like and, a trigger. Okay, and two... Okay well, doing. and then two two hands in, he accused me of lying to him and, <laughs> and, awesome. and, and hiding some cards in Did my he, hand. Did he, like,
0: grab your, like, wrist and, like, flip it over to see if you had, like, a card up your
3: sleeve? <laughs> (laughs) It was was so surreal. Yeah, that guy sounds (laughs) awesome. He's like, You've been cheating. You've been cheating. He's giving them
0: therapy on how to be cool.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That was great. It was definitely a trigger, and I don't know why they let him do that. Oh, I would not allow him to have (laughs) (laughs) cards. It just seems obvious to me.
2: My dad is a boomer and sort of later in life finally went to see a therapist. But he stopped going to see the therapist. You want to know why?
3: Um, okay, the it has to cursed. do with him being a-
2: The therapist fell asleep on my dad. <laughs> 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 Which is hilarious because my dad, like, I'm sure my dad was talking nonstop. And if my dad was being truthful, my dad's talking about some wild shit. I don't know. I'm curious about this therapist who was like boring. I don't know. Yeah, I mean,
0: like, as a general rule of thumb, when you're a therapist and need to like win people's trust and, you know, make people who might feel unheard heard, you probably shouldn't.
1: <laughs> fall
0: asleep during a right? session.
2: I told him that was it does a bad sound like the worst thing. He should get another before he gives up. Uh, on therapy, or just never trust he, anyone he again care.
0: with anything ever.
2: He's good at that. Never show yeah. weakness. It's your own fault for being a little fucking bitch and being like, I love you. What? <laughs> it's kind of my yeah, dad's yeah. thing. Now, my parents do say I love you. I don't want to give that impression, but it's always like... Sometimes
0: your dad's like response would be gay. Okay.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. You got it, Marlo. You've got it right on the fucking nose, man. That's exactly it. <laughs> I'm constantly... There's some part of me still in the back of my head when I'm saying something that I'm vulnerable about. I'm afraid of my dad in the back being like, <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) You know, if I told that on stage, my dad would love that joke.
3: Uh, Speaking of vulnerable women.
1: Go on. uh,
3: AOC. Oh, experiencing trauma. AOC. And our good friend, Michael Tracy, back again, returning to the pod.
2: Tracy's back. (laughs) Back
1: again.
0: Guess who's back? Serial sex pest in Minecraft.
1: Get off my head!
0: And also reality, maybe. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not saying that in any sort of way that would allow me to be sued.
2: But I will say, as an expert in entertainment, if I was doing a central casting call for a sex (laughs) pest,
0: I would say if he was involved in a community of. Musicians in Brooklyn, he would probably be banned from many clubs and shows
1: and venues,
0: <laughs> uh, due to various whisper campaigns.
3: Uh, who was the guy that outed Bill Cosby? Hannibal uh, Burris. Hannibal. We should be Hannibal Mike Burris. Tracy's Hannibal Burris. Yeah, the problem is Hannibal <laughs> Burris,
0: you know, had court filings to go on whereas
3: we just have
0: hearsay information that's absolutely true but also we don't can't name the hearsay informant
3: all right so some context aoc came out and talked about her experience at the capitol and in doing so
0: well okay not the capitol maybe but you know
3: The Capitol riots, she did an Instagram interview, right? Mm -hmm. Wasn't that the context? An Instagram interview, chat, fireside chat, where she talked about her experience. Did anybody watch it? I I didn't watch it. I watched
0: the very short and like five-minute news version
2: I watched a little more of it than that, but yeah, I mean, I didn't, it was like 90 minutes. I watched about like 20.
3: It was the length Uh, of a Lyndon LaRouche. In commercial.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is how I measure all of my episodic yeah.
3: or uh, g- uh Or political goings-ons. Or would it be like three Ross Perot scorecard things? So it was mm-hmm. three of those just strung together. Um, yeah. And then she talked and the controversial part was her saying that when she was in the Capitol... Adjacent. She was triggered uh, and reminded of her trauma being sexually assaulted.
2: Yeah, so the, here's the issue with, I mean, beyond the obvious. Uh, the issue with how people are acting like she told it, um, she kind of was very... It wasn't like a grand speech, right? It wasn't a planned narrative from beginning to end. She's talking about her experience, but she's like weaving in and out of telling a sort of chronological story of what her experience was on the day of, and then stepping back and giving this broader context to, the, she kind of says the sexual assault part way mm. up front, like in the grander scheme of things. Like she gives that context of immediately kind of feeling this familiar fear. Right. And I guess because the fucking dipshits out there see everything, trauma, oppression, blah, blah, blah. It's a currency they feel like is being used and they feel like, oh, the sexual assault, that's a gold standard currency there of uh, authenticity or whatever. So we have to question it there instead of it just being somebody talking about her experience and giving her personal context. It's a scheme to manipulate you with your emotions with this perfect victim story that's not even true because she was in Philadelphia. Which is what true, which say.
3: is what I just did <laughs> with my mental illness story. I gave my... Dramatic backstory to lure the listener in. I was like, Mm -hmm. listener.
2: We planned it out. We plotted it out. If any
0: any listener thinks that mental illness is real, you're talking over the lived experience of Steven. Yeah, and
3: in doing so, you're oppressing
0: me. Yeah, you're in fact denying his mental illness by saying mental illness is real, so you're really agreeing with us that mental illness isn't real. (laughs) It's the perfect (laughs) trap. (laughs)
3: <laughs> We've got <laughs> you again
2: and that's what this podcast is about it's this whole podcast the entire time has been about setting perfect,
3: perfect trap uh, mental illness isn't real so if you agree with me or you disagree with me both are equally true you're, you're right.
0: basically saying mental illnesses is-
3: and you're still listening to this podcast which means I'm winning
0: that's the joke no one's listening to this podcast. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, that's the joke. Everyone listening, to this podcast until yeah. yeah,
0: ill. <laughs> nine six or nine tenths of our audience. Yeah, <laughs> the other one is an R word. Yeah, the other one,
1: oh,
0: is like me, and I barely and, listen to this. Shit.
3: And the R word is Richie, my brother. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Richie, you're mostly neurotypical, I assume. I, I didn't say that about his you mental. Know. I meant literally R word as an oh, R word. Yeah. So just like my story, which was meant to lure you in, make you think that I had more currency about my experience to push an agenda. People who hear through second and third hand stories of AOC's recounting of the story, decided to take that portion of it and make it a crusade against trauma, authenticity, and... Her narcissistic personality type.
2: See, all, oh my gosh.
3: Steve,
2: Steve, you're, Steve, you are like on my vibe so hard because these would be the fucking key words I would pick out this week of how I knew you were a fucking dipshit. Is if you said one of these things in regards to AOC. Uh, I love people using the clinical E up of narcissistic personality disorder, which is a, real thing that you shouldn't just say it about some bitch who you think thinks she's cute. Because that's what this is. Again, I've mentioned this theory before in the podcast. People hate a bitch who thinks she's cute. And that is how a lot of people perceive AOC. And what's interesting about somebody like Michael Tracy is that he pretends to be, I don't know, whatever the fuck he pretends (laughs) to be. But he bristles when somebody calls him a mega person. You know, he's like, I am not that, blah, blah, blah. And yet he is seeking a way to come to the same conclusion as those on the mega stripe of the spectrum. Where he wants to put this bitch in her place and he wants to call into question any display of
3: vulnerability,
2: vulnerability, emotional trauma, and call it by its very existence that it's. Suspicious, which is interesting coming from Michael Tracy, who is weirdly resistant to like following the money (laughs) and (laughs) like like other forms of being suspicious or skeptical that might, you know, make fucking sense. So you guys know him.
3: (laughs) Yep, we do. Again, I was his roommate in college. Sweet mate, to be exact. I don't want to be accused of amping up my story. Of uh, but Jay. in junior year of college, we were suite mates, which, in like the college dorm situation, there were four bedrooms on a floor, and we all shared like a kitchen and a bathroom. We weren't roommates, we just mm-hmm. lived next to each other on the same floor. And Mike Tracy, uh, this was the year that he got his head stomped in at uh, Ann Coulter, rolled a clip.
1: Back up. <gasps> Up. Help me. Oh, oh. Oh, my head. Get off my head! Get off my head! Get off my head! Get The back,
3: please. You know he had some policemen's knees on his fucking face. Yeah, we've and heard then. That before.
2: And he like fucking loves the cops well, now. What the fuck?
3: I uh, I was at that <laughs> event. Did we talk about this? Or- I was at that event.
0: Yeah, yeah. With I believe
3: his we girlfriend. And we were just laughing at him, and then I took his picture afterwards. Mm-hmm. But Mike Tracy was the worst pitchfork bro ever. He's just a swarmy, self congratulatory. You know, his shit doesn't stink. And this will get into his article, but like anybody that's telling him that he's wrong is stifling dissent. And that was the
2: the general framing of how he said that she was using the concept of trauma. To
3: study no, I think, and Was it that, or was it that the people who were defending her or the people that were on her side or like sympathizing with her were stifling dissent from people like him who were saying that, you know, she's wasn't authentic and that all of her motives and like. Well, ability, I
0: mean, he did say he that she was using he her trauma essentially- to stifle dissent.
2: Yeah, like that was kind of like the subtitle or the whatever, where which even made me want to read it because I was like, What are you
3: fucking? Oh, idiot? I thought it was also that the people that were defending her were using the trauma to yeah. be sloppy. So yeah, basically
0: everyone sloppy. who calls Mike Tracy a fucking idiot uh is stifling dissent.
2: Yeah, wear the boot on his neck, telling him he's a little bitch baby, and he hates it. But yeah, he just has the air of somebody who really wants to put a bitch in her place and this is just a kind of guy I you come across right the guy who his version of being smart and speaking truth to power is making sure everybody knows he thinks this girl's (laughs) a bitch (laughs) like he's not afraid to say it It's a weird thing, and but yet it's a thing that can get you published in the post, I guess. And it it didn't even have that many puns. Not only
3: that, but his entire Twitter feed for the last 72 hours has been dedicated to pointing out all the ways that AOC is inauthentic (laughs) and how she's the most overbearing narcissistic personality disorder
2: which is kind of gross to do it's kind of gross to say that about someone it's especially weird because what exactly he doesn't have anything except his perceived gotchas on aoc like, what is his huge beef with her? Well,
3: it's interesting that it's him and Glenn Greenwald both kind of crusading and white knighting this as the way that bigger places are publishing their stuff because, I mean, it gets clicks because everyone likes to see these guys beat up on AOC from the well, left. Yeah, it's you not as hear- interesting. When yeah. it comes from the right, and I'm putting left in scare quotes here, but like somebody who's perceived to be generally of the liberal persuasion criticizing AOC for being disingenuous is a narrative that really gets uh, people ticking. And a lot of people already project a lot of their uh, thoughts and feelings about AOC into every story about her. You meet somebody on the street in Brooklyn, and they'll be like, "You know, AOC's the next Satan or whatever." and she just wants to ruin the country or and generally, they see her as being inauthentic or she's the next but Ruth that, that- Bader Ginsburg is the other side. She's like the liberal. I
2: think because I don't know a ton of liberals who love her. They don't like that she wasn't nicer to Nancy Pelosi. That's the real thing. It just seems so superficial. And we all are expending a tremendous amount of energy just letting people call this young woman a bitch in whatever kinds of ways they feel. I guess I
3: guess what I was talking about was if you go um, into like a posh boutique store in Williamsburg, I know one. You can go in and you can get like squad mugs or you can get a t-shirt that's like AOC power or AOC's like picture in a frame. And like she has become this young person like ecosystem of production and commodification that really does appeal to a tourist that's traveling through either like a university's town or like a big hipster city that's being gentrified. And they do look at her as she's next to Ruth Bader Ginsburg in the amount to which they revel in her awesomeness and truth telling and kind of like relatability that they all project into their political actors.
2: I mean, I guess I just find that, and perhaps this is a factor of me being just slightly older than you, but a lot of the women I know, if they're not actual socialists, they are like, oh, I like AOC, just some things I don't know. They're not girl power about her, really. Like, I actually find there's a lot more comfort And I mean, maybe they might like like the squad, but in a really broad way, where they're not familiar. They just know that they're like young women. Yeah, it's of
3: representational color, right? of a new generation. I think is more right. than them themselves or their politics.
0: Uh, yeah, okay. She's not revolutionary. She's been fine for the most part, and I have issues here and there with shit. But yeah, I mean, there's weird projections on her from many sides.
2: She's just too cute. It's just the, and then if she wasn't cute enough, you know, she's
3: ugly, feminazi,
2: feminazi.
3: Man-hater.
2: I mean, yeah. It's concerning to me, the deep, personal way Mike Tracy seems to take the idea that someone could speak in a sacred place like <laughs> the House of Representatives <laughs> with with a quivering, quavering voice. He's very offended by... Like what I see is, it's like he thinks it's a perversion. Well, he had the same thing about there.
3: Bernie, and that that Bernie should have put the the flag on his lapel. That these new socialists somehow represent this perversion of democracy and are inauthentic and grifting by just being themselves.
1: It's
2: interesting, the discomfort there, because personally, those things don't set off any bullshit detectors for me in any particular way. And I'm not somebody who's necessarily uh, not looking for something to be like, hey, that seems fucking fake as fuck, you bitches. <laughs> like, so it's interesting to me where people will inject this so intensely where I am not. Seeing it, I see how you can make a totally bad faith interpretation of what AOC was saying. But he is playing like, oh, if only I wasn't burdened by the knowledge that this bitch is, fake. and
3: nobody else can you see know? it.
2: Like, <laughs> she's the only one who can see through her facade. I, well, feel I think. Sad I think a lot of
3: him. it. I think a lot <laughs> of it was way. more of the media's treatment of it, which is. Why I said he gets all of this through second and third because there were three or four or five articles that came out immediately afterwards and they fronted the trauma story. It was the takeaway. You know, mm-hmm. readers love hearing that a politician who is the most inauthentic person was being vulnerable. There already is a tension that Mm -hmm. draws readers in. Okay, here's this person who is inauthentic. They lie to you. Politicians lie to you to push through their agenda. And here's, you know, it's the same way with celebrities. Like celebrities are very rich and out of touch. And they love to stage these events where they get vulnerable.
1: For
2: a lot of people, it's an impossibility that they would be witnessing a real moment of vulnerability. It it can't possibly be because because that would be too real. I have to contrive that this is a publicity stunt, that this is a manufactured production to elicit a, a response, spectacle. and I it won't was, do it's, it's it. Rather, it's a
3: spectacle. It's a spectacle of politics that these people exist in. And he didn't even seem to watch the thing. He just watched the news that came out of it, nope. which- Fronted this trauma story and fronted this, you know, juxtaposed her past trauma with relating it to the Capitol. And bam, right there is where well, the tension yeah. doesn't. Okay, here's this person who's supposed to be inauthentic, pushing an agenda, always partisan, always working towards this larger goal and working for the people. And here they are telling this story about themselves to try to relate it yeah
2: telling this sob story but also people were already and I feel as though I believe Michael Tracy commented on this earlier on in the week because AOC very pointedly prior to giving more details about her experience etc called mm-hmm. Ted Cruz out On facilitating this, you know, and she put it as an attempt on her life. And a lot of people reacted like, okay, bitch, don't be so dramatic. And so there was already like this priming of that. And for, and and it's interesting from the perspective of somebody like, (laughs) there's a lot of tweets saying like AOC might not read your tweets, but like the people in your life who've been through trauma are reading them. I, sometimes have faced a similar thing if I have stated my experience with domestic violence as like he could have killed me people are like oh don't be so dramatic and I'm like but that's literally the realization I came to that made me go I have to leave because there's so little space for this in actuality that even as I was experiencing it I couldn't admit that I could have died from being choked and et cetera, even as it happened to me, because it seemed, I knew people were, if I told them they would act Mm -hmm. like I was being overdramatic. And it's a fascinating thing to experience because I'd like to believe that my own experience with these things makes me maybe able to tell if somebody was full of shit about it. (laughs) I don't know. That's not what I picked up from it. Uh, I'm also a person who wouldn't, if I felt like this seems like total bullshit, I would say that even if I wanted to believe it. But it's not like I see anybody who was already a fan of AOC in any way be like, oh, wait a second. (laughs) And then this is like embarrassing the story Uh, where people are acting like she wasn't even anywhere near Mm -hmm. anything happening. We
3: didn't even get into Um, that, which is another, that's from the right. It's interesting the way that right and left attack this story is different, but also the same. Like they're both attacking her authenticity. One is attacking her internal trauma where she's, being deceitful about her headspace and her mental faculties. Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing that's corrupted. Whereas the right wing is is attacking it from her physical, She's being inauthentic about the physical yeah. place that she was in.
2: But what they have in common is that they didn't yeah. listen to her full thing. <laughs> they both obviously did not listen to the full thing before writing diatribes about how this bitch is lying I don't believe her. Sums up, you know. It sucks because I feel as though anybody who's serious on the left side of things is totally yeah. comfortable with criticizing AOC for things we feel are worthy of criticism. That's it's, Us tankies it's gotta like
3: criticize wrong, like, the social yeah. Democrats. Like, they're not good.
1: <laughs>
2: Whatever. Just like I believe it's fine for me to be mean to the moveon.org person who asked me to send them money for a Kamala fucking bumper sticker today. Okay, me being mean was, um, <laughs> hey, where's my money?
1: <laughs> where's my Ask money? Joan
2: Kamal, where's my money? Doug with Move On. As I mentioned, uh, I think earlier, a hilarious display of people scolding me for being too mean. To I don't know. I her. think
3: that AOC uh, should immediately recognize Maduro as the rightful leader of Venezuela. <laughs> and I just
2: wish she, I wish Palestine she was this truly chaotic, uh,
3: is the only maybe. country in the Middle East that matters.
2: Yeah, this isn't just a slight to Israel. Yeah. This is a slight yeah. to literally every other country <laughs> in the Middle East. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Get out of here! Get out of here,
2: uh, Jordan! That's- Fuck you, Turkey. Turkey's in Europe. And they're like, we're not in. Yeah, the they're movies.
0: they're in, we're in Europe. Europe. Sorry, You're Greece should Europe. have won. Giving the it to you, but we're not. Turco greek War.
2: how fucking dare you, Marlo, On this bicentennial. Yeah,
0: well, if they fought harder, them, you might be easier. right in saying Turkey okay. isn't in Europe, but unfortunately, they are in Europe. <sighs> That
3: you know, um, get out of here, Wasn't Saudi that, Arabia. OK, what do we think about Biden on Saudi Arabia and Yemen? Yeah, I mean, fine. <laughs> Isn't that the first good news that I saw? Yeah,
2: that is the only good thing. And I can't believe you bum us out at the end of the episode. Well, <laughs>
3: with interesting with the news. Good I'm
0: watching uh, <laughs> Kamala Harris's niece fight with Hindutva's on Twitter right now. Oh, yeah, she apparently amazing. she's in fact Hindu, and out. now like people are digging up like the time she said she ate a hamburger. It's it's going great. Uh, I'm oh. I'm liking this one. But, you know, we got
3: to give Biden credit where credit is due. He is saying he's pulling out of the war in Yemen and not supporting Saudi Arabia. And that's the only thing he has done that's good.
2: Yeah. All right. Fine. You know what? Let's be positive. No,
3: no. It's all a joke. This is... (laughs) Um, I know what else is going on or are we done i don't know
2: um so of course you know i don't blame the person who made the original tiktok or whatever it was where she was like i used to work in marketing and i know how some of this fucking shit works so like unfollow them unfollow them all like basically inferring it would be as disruptive as what happened with gamestop right It's a cutesy idea. I always lead with mischief. So if you're doing it just for mischief, I support it. But if you think it's activism or if you think that the rich people to fixate on as the bad actors are glamorous, famous people that you know of, that's what I want to call into question. Because I feel like that is a very tried and true distraction where it's not about... Jeff Bezos. It's about Beyonce being, you know, too obnoxious with her wealth. It's about Chrissy Teigen. Uh, Like, it's fine to be like your cringe or whatever and make fun in a certain way. But, like, if your question to Chrissy Teigen about getting tricked into the $13,000 bottle of wine isn't, but did you tip (laughs) $3,000? You're not doing praxis, okay? You're not fucking talking about anything that's important. Like, I don't think the rules are ooh, bitch you can never talk about your rich people stuff it's like but hey actually you're interacting with the regular world did you no, I didn't see anybody ask Chrissy Teigen if she tipped this person or how much they tipped which is all I would have been fucking if I was so inclined to flood her mentions in this way that's all I would fucking ask who cares if she's upset that she didn't know that they got a $13,000 bottle of wine and they cleared the bottle of wine before they were even finished. I think that's fine. I don't care if, <laughs> if a rich person feels annoyed at that. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> it doesn't bother me. But if you're acting like you. Well,
0: so, someone did.
2: Point I, I just out think it's was Chrissy
0: funny. Is uh, useful because as far would- as if that's the shit, the dumbest rich person in the world tweets out. Imagine the shit Bill Gates is not tweeting out.
2: But I don't even think think it's
0: fair to put them in the same thing. Like Chrissy Teigen consistently tweets out the weirdest most unrelatable shit on the planet. And, and like, imagine what other rich people who have more of a barrier are hiding. <laughs>
2: like, here's the thing we know why Chrissy Teigen isn't relatable. She's been a mo- she's been fully employed in entertainment since she was very young. She does not share a lot of common experiences, right? This is a similar thing for a lot of rich people. It's a similar thing when we're even talking about somebody like Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle's been Gainfully employed in his industry of choice uh, since his early 20s. He's smart, whatever, but at, we've seen at this point he's got rich people syndrome. He's doing the same thing. He's Tracy Morgan on 30 Rock trying to make jokes about his butler um, <laughs> and getting booed <laughs> off stage, which is fine to make fun of the moments where it's like, wah wah, that is so out of touch and whatever. But when people try to pathologize and create Create a whole pseudo-theory behind them just dunking on somebody. It's not a question of what you're doing. Like, you were like, ha-ha, whatever. That's it. End of story. You don't have to write a dissertation about how she's representative of whatever, so I can call her a cunt. Like I think it's fine if you're aware of your own dumbassness, making fun of a celebrity. Like we all have these parasitic relationships with celebrity culture, where we just might hate someone for no good reason. You
0: just don't like the way their
1: voice the is sometimes. Based
0: on the COVID, um, like you can't ask me about my medical condition. That means I can't wear a mask. And say I can use cunt because you can't legally ask me if I'm not English. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, I'm I'm not I'm not calling her a cunt, I'm calling yeah. her a cunt like in Queens English, which is fine. And you can't inquire. You don't have the right.
3: That just makes me I wanna think, watch Jeffries.
0: Oh uh, yeah. God, remember when like comedians were funny? <laughs> <laughs> Ugh,
2: no. Uh- <laughs> This is actually one of my longest standing comedian opinions because in uh, the early years for me the open mics and comedy shows were just a run over with jokes about various celebrity women being a stupid bitch you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> whoever you know kim kardashian's a good example because for a very long fine. time people felt very Safe, just talking about trash. her as if she was tra- literal trash. Like, I, this is something that makes me uncomfortable. Period. I don't care if it's a famous person. I don't know. If you go to great lengths to dehumanize somebody and talk about them as disposable, it makes me very creeped out. Uh, <laughs> like, And I would come across this a lot in comedy where it obviously wouldn't even be about Kim Kardashian specifically. This was just the placeholder they had for these feelings <laughs> of this is safe to like unfurl my, you know, whatever. And that's it. Guys, after the pandemic, have that discussion in your journals. Don't come or to else, open mics. Or
3: else uh, <laughs> uh, the Stalinist Service bunny else. is going <laughs> to throw you in the comedy gulag. <laughs> that's
2: right. I'm only wearing boots when it's coming back. I'm only wearing stomping boots when standup comes back in person in
3: 2024. 20- <laughs> <laughs> do we want to do what is to be done next week or the week after? I don't know.
0: Uh, can we do the week after? I have some stuff to do.
3: This is the second week mm-hmm. you've said that, and this makes me think that you've been taking Fair. long trips down to the fishes. That's like you're, you're joining us. A- you're joining a a mafia. Uh, I've just got things to do. What
0: expression <laughs> is that? Marla's Taking a journey us. down He's to the Not fi- telling
2: us about it. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> like I'm going fishing. Well, you're
3: throwing a dead body in the river.
0: That they don't eat. Okay, whatever. That's not even a
3: thing. Women with the fishes.
2: You know, it's it winds
0: with, with the fishes, and that's if you get thrown in. <laughs> That doesn't even make any sense. You're
3: going <laughs> to the fish market. Yeah. Now, <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. Uh, is <laughs> yeah. it a sex thing?
2: I don't know, guys.
3: Yeah. Get... <laughs> I mean it's a long text, I know. Guys. So And yeah,
0: I kind of just started a book club in my DSA chapter, which is
3: Well
2: What is, what book are you reading?
0: Black Jacobins. I started the goddamn book it. club. You're I get cheated. to do that. <laughs> but also like I read it like several years ago.
3: So, okay, so this there. is the mafia that you've been hanging out with. Yeah, I'm in on the DSA. Site.
0: Everyone's in DSA. It's cool as shit. We get to do gay shit with each other. It's awesome.
2: You know what? Next week... I'm going to put in a sponsored segment. Yeah. Pingo
1: comments, let's forget. Oh,
0: I also have my uh, weird uh, rabbit hole that started with uh, a pornhub that I went down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Oh, the Marxist Well, porn, yeah, no. And then I found. Masturbated to reading theory. And then
0: I found. Which a, I'm like, get out a, um, of
2: my bedroom.
0: Sex industry, <laughs> like a socialist uh, sex <laughs> worker uh, podcast that she got interviewed on. It's a whole fucking thing.
3: We'll invite her. Oh yeah, we say first. I found your video. Um, I have. Yeah, the I'm pretty sure contact. that's bad form. It is it though? <laughs> <That> <laughs> With my work. lady face. Okay, and give funny.
2: Okay, so. the
3: handle. Yeah, yeah can we? Um, do
0: I mean, we do this actually. Is our, I I don't know if this is our Trojan horse be. situation. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they would be willing to, but we do know people who are sex workers if they'd want to discuss it. But yeah, no, that's totally (laughs) a brag. brag. Um, But no, I'm just saying, like, (laughs) I don't know if they'd be down to actually discuss it or not or whatever, but it is a thing we could explore.
2: I mean, I would be open to doing a piece in the future yeah. about I mean, sex work yeah, and we, social and all sex the amazing work that's being done. Yeah, I know someone uh, in California who did a lot of yeah. work in this area as well. Uh, anyway, yeah. guys, we're good.
3: <laughs> good night. Good night. Well, oh, no, that's just the the moon
0: There's no Enjoy. such thing as a new moon. You just mean there's no moon tomorrow. It's the it's absence a dark, of a Marlo. moon.
2: This is when you put your
3: intentions album.
2: into the ground.
0: It's a haunted. It's a hauntological moon your
2: that you're gonna you're gonna fucking g- reap yeah. on the full moon.
0: Right. it's the anyway. dark side of the moon. New moon's like the worst moon.
2: You are not no, moon following.
0: Shiny, the moon good. Moon cycle, New moon Marlo. is not a moon so. because there's no moon in the sky. I like shiny moon. Yeah.
2: It's the dark side of the moon when it's.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All yeah, right. right. You can tell I'm the, the moon, moon whatever you want tomorrow. tomorrow. It won't be there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> a slope of uh. is still up tonight. So <laughs>
0: it's going to snow
3: tonight too.
2: <laughs> Don't put it back.
0: Yeah, right, it never price. snows where I live.
2: It is Sucks. we
3: we've discussed this. Yeah. Sucks ass. You live
2: in a magic place. Right. We
3: got All it. Right.
1: Good night. <laughs>